This is Inside Outlands. I am your host, Nat Ryle, and joining me today is Quoth, leader of the Amir Mercantile Guild. How's it going, man? Very well, Nat Ryle. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, I uh, I hit you up because I we haven't covered crafting or or the economy. I did a little bit in the episode with uh, Stormy, the number one gold earner on the shard. He had a couple of pretty nice insights back then for the, the shard launch, but this is kind of your guild's uh, primary focus. And you guys do a lot for the community. You have a couple, like a little role-playing flair going on. You have community events. I think you have a, little, a small PVM arm. Uh, you guys are just doing a whole lot on the shard. So I want to kind of get you on here to tell us what Amir is all about and what you guys are up to. And we can dive into uh, the economy of UO. I'm honored. These are all great subjects, and I'm a big fan of your show. So I think I've heard every episode and uh, enjoying them very much. Yeah, I've gotten a couple of questions from you and stuff. I really appreciate it. Yes, thanks for making time to come on. Uh, what what what's uh, your UO background? Where'd you where'd you start? I started on Chesapeake Shard around the time that UO Renaissance released. So I was a noob in those days, and the only way I knew how to make gold was to scam other players. It seemed like the easiest th- thing to do rather than learn the game, just <laughs> yeah. do some social engineering and take other people's gold. So I did that and got a house and kind of kept noobing along. And then eventually a player character named Tralaladi Da took me over from Chesapeake to Lake Austin for their launch. And that's actually where I ended up meeting Akasha his guild, AB, the Akashic Brotherhood, uh, was a big champ spawn guild there. So I hung out there, learned the ropes a little bit, on to Siege Perilous to kill some people as a role-playing vampire, and then free shards from then until now. And now Outlands is the best UO I've ever seen before. Yeah, so role-playing vampire, you just breeze right over that. That actually sounds... Uh, we don't have that here yet, I don't think. We have aliens, orcs. Um, what else do we have? We don't have that yet, I don't think. Oh, we have Vampires are great. You can be very, maybe you'll dry loot the person, maybe you'll resurrect them afterwards, right? It, it just sort of depends on how you want to play it. It's quite dark, and you can accept blood moss and other blood-related items as tribute if you want to let someone live instead. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. What what brought you to Outlands? You uh, you said best you've seen UO in, in years, but what, what kind of drew you to the shard? In between other free shards where, where I'd lose interest or the player base would die down, every few months or so I'd just poke around on the internet and see what's going on. So I tracked when Relpor was coming and going, and Outlands I caught at some point during beta, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. The map was more beautiful than Ultima Online ever was. Uh, the mechanics were better. The interfaces were better. And it seemed like it already had so much buzz during beta that it was sure to be one of the biggest launches of a free shard. And uh, I have not been disappointed. I've had extremely high expectations, and they are always exceeded by Owen and Luthius and their amazing team. Yeah, they're and they're primed to like to get a second leg. I think they're they're revamping all the guild system and PvP systems and and new dungeons. It's just we're we're going places, and it, and it's just great to see that this far into the project it's just there's just more to come more to play more to experience and and that you know we haven't seen and done anything irving yet and that they're they're really dedicated to the to the project um which is great as a player because i've been in communities again before where that's that's not the case and uh it's very very refreshing 
I just hope they don't burn themselves out. It seems like they're having a lot of fun and it's energizing them, but it's quite well balanced. So even at its current state, I could see this game being enjoyed for years and years. And who knows what it's going to be like years from now if they keep developing at this pace. Yeah, I don't I don't want them to burn out either. There are only a few guys. It, I have to be really careful when I'm setting up things in Beard Brothers to uh to make sure that any any new policy or procedure or, or thing we do comes with the least amount of admin work as possible. Otherwise, you know, even if even if even we have a good team, they'll just burn out. Uh, and then who's gonna run that new system or new feature we have planned and you know, people will end up leaving. So that's a problem really with any MMO. It's not unique to, to Ultima Online. I think we saw a, a huge influx of players leave and then a huge influx of players come back. And then I, I think this uh, this guild patch we're getting will draw a lot of the PvPers back as well. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. And it's, it sounds like a good idea what you're doing on the Beer Brothers side of always erring on the side of less work for everyone by default. Uh, because yeah, if there's something, even if it's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work, as soon as the fun dries up, it blows up. I, I mentioned work because that's all crafting looks like to me is complete insanity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> me, me too, really. I, I barely do any crafting myself, but people love it. And it's a, it's a great community. It's some of the most laid back players you'll find. Yeah. We, we've got a guy, uh, Net Sackler Bodegas, and uh, he's just, he's just awesome. Uh, you talk to him, it's always a treat. He's always got something great to say. Uh, you know, just really laid back and cool um, and really, really dedicated. I think it takes a unique player to to approach that side of the game. It, it comes with the most grind. Um, I, I know there's taming, but taming can be done faster, it seems like. Uh, the The grind to get a GM crafter is really high. And then... The, the level of dedication you have to have to get it to 120 is even crazier. Are you pulling a certain kind of player? Are you seeing a wide spectrum player that do it? Or, or how do you, are just people that just did this in the past that are just drawn to that, that, that play style? We've got everything from people who have this as their only play style and they play a lot. So they're legendary in all of the crafts. They're managing major vendor operations and all kinds of business deals renting out shop space to other players. And then we've got other people who just do, you know, they've got forensic evaluation and they want someone to sell the leather to. So really the the entire spectrum of anybody who's doing anything related to harvesting, crafting, professional work, where we truly are a guild, a, a trade guild uh, to facilitate all this kind of thing for uh, economic efficiency. Yes, you, you guys aren't uh, super selective where you only want the want the guys that have the huge crafting empire you're, you're a little more open to someone just dipping their toes in it maybe oh absolutely absolutely and we and we need those suppliers and we need those crafters sometimes someone just needs a room book crafted and having that grandmaster crafter online is great or someone just needs some uh, ingots for tinkering and we've got somebody who's a miner who's working on a chef or something like that. So it's very, very helpful. People are very valued at all levels of it. And the people running the big operations naturally end up sort of rising up the chain within the organization. And they become the movers and the shakers. So who, who can say what these guys are up to these days? Yeah, let's, let's, let's get into it. So what, what is Amir? You know, why'd you, why'd you set it up? What was your kind of vision when you, when you formed the guild? Yeah, like what's the, what's the origin story, I guess? Well, to properly start at the beginning, I guess, 
I should say that Amir is a meme uh, created by an author, Patrick Rothfuss, in his book, The Name of the Wind. And it's a great book and people should buy it and read it. And my name, Quoth, is also stolen from that uh, story. So Patrick Rothfuss created the Amir meme. I'm going to pronounce it slightly differently and call it Amir and refer to the guild that we've got here on Outlands, which is really kind of a permutation of that original meme. We're just the UO implementation of the Amir. So the Amir is a, it's some kind of society and where the boundaries of it are exactly aren't clear. Uh, but on Outlands, as far as I know, Amir are known to be crafters and merchants, harvesters, all kinds of professionals like lockpicks and cartographers and people who enjoy the game most through trade. So that's in a nutshell, what we are as a guild. Yeah. I like, I love Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, those are some great books and I don't know if we'll ever get a third book, but you know, it's, it's right up there with a uh, game of Thrones with people waiting for the next, uh, the next chapter. And, uh, yeah, your name is definitely, we don't want it to go that I, way. <laughs> I have a guildmate who I think had the same name. Uh, and he wanted me to ask you, um, that he's got dibs on it and, it's not cool that you stole his name. It's like, you both stole from a book. Like you don't get dibs on a name from a book. I've got all kinds of dibs. I've got dibs going back into beta with all kinds of weird prev coin cryptocurrencies floating around. So I don't know. We can, we can compare dibs if he wants. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you have a little bit of a role-playing flair to it. Uh, you want to go into that first or? Yeah, and it's really brought out by the players. So we kind of hint as to what the role play could be and just let people do what they want to do. So I've only experienced a small portion of it myself. But, uh, you know, going back to Rothfuss and, you know, his his two books, and if those are the only two we ever get from him, I'll be grateful for those. Uh, in those books, minor spoiler, it's not really clear if the Emir exists or not. Maybe they are, they used to exist a long time ago, but they did some terrible things and everybody trusted them anyway. They were kind of above the law. So they were known for having choked pregnant women in the street and burned down churches and all kinds of terrible things, supposedly for the greater good. And we have a lot of that too. We appear to just be a brand basically. And, you know, when people see the Amir brand, they know that this is probably mastercrafted. It's going to be in stock. This is going to be a complete shopping experience. That's the brand. But on the role-playing side, there's also those people who may or may not think they're in a secret society. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you just have players that either engage with that or, or don't. I guess I would equate this to maybe uh, what Imperium Pavilion was like at the start. I think they're now more more heavy, strict RP, but they were a little more light RP for the first you know, five months or so. Yep, we are extremely light. I remember when they launched, uh, they were they were a little more relaxed, and they've gone full force, which is great. We're on the very light end of the spectrum, so people can not do it at all, and it fits right in. That that's fine. It gives your it gives your little story. It's I, I maybe that's the same as as giving your character a um, a backstory, even though if you just played the game normally, you spent the time to to write a backstory, and then maybe occasionally you'll you'll dip in with it. Um, something like that. Yeah, there's a little bit as far as backstories go. We, we we have people who are greeting each other with code phrases in game, you know, and if they get a certain response, then they have an idea of what that person might be up to. And maybe it's role playing or maybe they're trying to 
create a cartel and control prices on something. You know, who knows what, who knows what these guys are doing? It all kind of blends and it's not really clear what's role play and what isn't. I got, I got overthrown at one point. I wasn't clear to me whether that was real or not. <laughs> Did they use the, uh, the mechanics in the guild system? Yeah. They voted somebody else in as guild master and killed me and kicked me out of the guild. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so I could only like play along with that. Right. What am I going to, what am I going to complain? <laughs> that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. So, uh, are, are you the current leader or someone else the current leader? No, they added me back in a couple of weeks later. I, I was just wandering around as a ghost for a couple of weeks wondering, and they resurrected me and I'm playing it off as a little bit of amnesia because I'm not quite sure where it's going. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was at the end of that road to Terran event. Uh, Modego Wolfclaw had killed this guy, Apostolus, on the roof of the building who people said was leaking guild information outside of the guild. So it was like, well, she wants to eat somebody with her eagles anyway. So let that happen. And things were moving along nicely. And then one of our officers, Blacksmith Andre, who runs a shop and rents vendors from me at the Terramoongate house, uh, killed me with his warhammer when I was about to pass out loot to everybody. And then he started looting me. And I never got that stuff back. And anyway, uh, he, now he and Nagaba and Remington are in charge of the guild. They are the Cyridae who are supposedly above the law and anything they do must be for the greater good by definition. So we'll see what they do. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a couple interactions with, with Nagaba. He's a, He's really nice. Um, that female, guy's, uh, actually. Oh, okay. She, she often points out that she's a grandmother, in fact. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that makes even more sense then with, uh, with, I guess, her persona that she's uh, putting out there. It's, it's, it's cool stuff. Um, she's an orc crafter. Yeah, I've learned a little bit of the, the language from her. Oh, does she talk um, orc in game, too? or uh, A little bit. Like, I might say Grievous instead of Hail, you know, something oh, okay. like that. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, so uh, you, you mentioned the the caravan. I think you've done two of those, right? Or am I, is there more? There's only one that I was personally involved in. I think there's another one eventually going to be set for another location, maybe Horseshoe Bay. Uh, but yeah, the road to Terran was the major one that we did. And uh, it unfortunately resulted in uh, genocide. But you know, we knew it was going to be bloody one way or the other. So that's just as good. Yeah, uh, I saw a lot of uh, people definitely interested in, in that. Well, any community event is going to get um, interest in Outlands. It's a pretty big player base. But what was the what was the turnout like? Do you think? I never ran an estimate. It it had to be a hundred at least. I saw a lot of guilds that I don't typically see out there, or at least not out in one place. So I think we had a little bit of representation from a huge cross section. Yeah, I think the the orcs were there. A couple of my people from my guild were there. Uh, and just, I guess, what was the event? It, it was the road to Terrence. You guys started in one location, took a caravan across. Did you have like loot on your body? Were there protection rackets? or? So the, the main idea of this thing is to get free advertising for the shop at Terran Moongate because I own that house. Uh, actually, the whole reason for the guild might be just to have people opening that door and keeping the house refreshed in, in case I'm not playing at some point. But uh, we were going to move from Terran Stables, get our pack horses, to Terran Bank in order to load up our pack horses and ourselves with all of our finest wares and gold and jewels and magic items, aspect stuff, whatever. And then make our way down the road from the town of Terran to the shop itself. And if we made it alive, we'd hand out the rewards 
to whoever protected us. If we got killed or a pack horses got killed, that loot would be lost to the thieves and the, and the murderers. And uh, that is, in a nutshell, what the plan was, and that's how it played out. It just happened really fast, and the Reds got slaughtered. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool idea. It's, it's definitely an awesome shop. I didn't really know about it until a couple weeks ago, um, but I'm glad I found it. I wasn't really going to Taryn for my shopping, but I mean, it's right at a Moongate, so uh, it's definitely a prime location. You can just hop Moongates and then... Yeah, you know, the shop right there is usually the, the first one you go look at. But uh, you guys—that's right, Net Rael. And we have a rune book under the house sign with runes to other Amir locations. Thank yes, you. yes, I found that today. That's awesome because <laughs> I, I I wanted like more leather or a different leather, and it wasn't at that particular shop. And then there was a rune book, and I just went to the next one and shopped there. That yeah, was cool. Beautiful. Good I'll idea. pay you the other half after this thing. Shelter gate. <laughs> Yeah, uh, do you have a do you have like a bot running that keeps that stock with recall scrolls? Or you just just load it up daily, or uh, people go there to pray. the The role playing people go there and they put recall runes in it as if it's some kind of altar, and they'll you know say some weird stuff there and weird out nearby shoppers. <laughs> That's cool. So it's, sometimes it's out, and that just means that our religion is failing. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is. Uh this definitely sounds more than light role playing. It sounds like you got some some dedicated role players. Eh, it's the theme. The theme sounds serious, but how how serious can you be in UO? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you guys have Taryn. You have some in Cambria. You have a uh, you have a little, little off in the outpost moon gate. You gotta go, gotta go east just a little bit. But that's a good shop too. Um, yeah, or west of the town itself. Yeah, it's the house yeah. right there. Uh, Andaria Moongate. Yeah, they're they're all over the place. There's ones I see all the time that I didn't know existed do you set up how those shop has to look because there's kind of a uniformity when you go across them at least naming wise so i guess it's your your uh, amir branding so is that like a policy yeah. in the guild yeah we do that's one of the few things that we are a little bit strict about because we want the brand to at least be clear we'd like the vendors to be stocked all the time and you know everybody's favorite shops but it's hard to make people be great at playing the game but you can make them put on certain color clothes uh red and charcoal clothes i think it is and make sure that the name has that word amir in it so that people know that that's our brand because we're competing with walmart and other other very established vendors whose brands have been known for a long time yeah well, i think it's helped um i actually thought it was just one player at first and then you know then i learned more and then i learned it was a guild and then a couple different people and you know, different shops and then, you know, then i learned the role playing and it's just a uh, but the brand itself definitely establishes it and it makes it pretty clear. And, and then, you know, there's a, it's a good place to stop because, uh, you know, it's stocked up. And But that also means our prices are high. So I'll, let me just kill this entire plug right now by telling people that we have pretty high prices. But it, it works well. At least if you need a shield or something, we'll probably have one because they weren't all 99 gold apiece and they sold out in the first hour. Yeah, well, that's kind of how UO is. Like you can, or at least Outland, you, you can, you can browse, sell, and buy, and do shelter trades, and and that that'll get you places. You can just hop moon gates, or you can really like go further in. You can form relationships with crafters, and, and then pester them when you need gear and stockpiles, and um, you know, I, I don't have any UO experience besides Outlands, really, so. This is a uh, pretty new to me. 
as far as how it works, having to go to a player or go to a shop, a player's shop, and and do your shopping like that, and not just have an auction house. Uh, right. Th- yeah, it gets you out in the world, gets you talking to players. It, it can make it really hard though to tell, you know, what's the what's the price of of this today? You know, how much has it changed? It can be frustrating because I don't know if I'm overpaying, underpaying. And then, you know, I guess your shops, you're trying to, to set the standard, to set the price at what you want to sell it at, right? No, actually, we have no, currently no price guide or price reference at all. People have talked about creating some kind of reference just so that people didn't have to always do the same research for themselves over and over again. So I think there are some subgroups that are sharing some references for with each other, but it's very dependent on the location of your shop and what you're selling and so on. So not every blacksmith is the same. Not every tinker is the same. And we let people charge whatever they want to charge. We especially encourage people to increase their prices. We've seen it as a sort of global failure of the market to have prices be too low. So we encourage people to increase their prices. Yeah. What's the one like alchemy? You can find a, a keg for 2,200 gold sometimes. And it's, that's barely above the cost of the regs to, to make the keg. Uh, so I'm not even sure why they're, they're still in business. What were they? Exactly. Yeah. We had a hard time finding alchemists to join our shops. We wanted to have a well-rounded shop that covered every craft. We couldn't find alchemists. Even if we charged them no rent when we should be charging 10,000 gold a week or whatever, we could not find alchemists. And I just said, well, just set it up and just set the prices so ridiculously high that you won't have to worry about restocking it. And those kegs are selling, but at a reasonable rate and they're profitable. So Unfortunately, it's just not a high volume craft these days, but you can still do it. Just don't charge those absurdly low prices. Yeah. Don't underestimate ease of shopping. Uh, and, and, and a player like me who uh, is limited in time, you know, I need my recall scrolls. Well, I know a recall scroll is supposed to cost, I don't know what, like three or four gold uh, a scroll, but I, I pay, I think 20 gold a scroll because there's, a, there's one right by my house, you know, and it's always oh, stocked. Go. That's what I charge too. Yeah. 20. <laughs> so, That's good. You know, I, I just go grab it because otherwise I go shop around and find, and all oh, this guy's depleted and then I have to go hit up my the crafter, but, or I could just stop by this one shop that always has it and I can get my 50 recall scrolls to fill my book up. Um, and, Your time you know, is you valuable. Can, You're saving yourself time. You can farm thousands of gold easily if you, if you want to. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. That's probably a little more of the, the odd economy or and it's not as pronounced as an eve where you have um you know areas and pricing by areas because that the game's a little bigger and sprawling and, and harder to get across it um okay but there are uh there are definitely price differences across the different locations where they're at prevalia prevalia is usually a little higher um and then cambria has a lot of crafters in it it seems like and then taryn it's like you in another house i think and then uh, the other one, Outpost, doesn't has like four or five houses. Outpost actually has quite a bit of uh, crafting vendors. Yeah, there are some shopping centers popping up, and the brands will stand out. I, I hope to see more brands entering in those places because it's a time saver for players not to have to click through empty pouch within an empty bag only to find that there's nothing in there. People leave their vendors set up this way, and uh, we, we encourage them not to. Yeah, uh, let's let's just talk a little bit about the mechanics, um, how a vendor contract works, um, how you keep it stocked. You know, how they have a week contract, a month contract. Um, 
uh, those kind of rules, I guess, or, or way way the game works. Sure. So there's custom system here for all of that. This is not something that a UO vet would know off the top of their head. Uh, you have to buy a rental contract deed from a non-player character in town, maybe the provisioner or the banker or something. And then you bring that and you lock it down in the house that you own and double click it. And now you're in an interface where you can set up who is this open to friends of the house, co-owners, the public, and what is the period of rent? Is it every week rent is charged and the contract is renewed every two weeks, four weeks. And you can set these kind of parameters and then offer it to someone. And then they double click the same deed that's locked down and they make a choice on their end to accept it. And you can choose whether it auto renews or not after that period expires. And if you do set it to auto renew, that just means if you're renting out a spot for 2000 gold per week, every week, 2000 gold goes out of the rent renters, uh, either vendor inventory or bank box and into your bank box or into your vendor account. So it's a very nice system if, for people like me who have a place where a shop could be run, but they don't have the time or inclination to run a shop to just make some passive income selling out spots. Yeah. Well, we, when we ran into, we were trying to renovate our Andaria Moongate uh, shop. And I guess if you don't, if you don't cancel the contract, right. Uh, maybe a couple of days before it expires, you're locked into the next time frame. So, and we were doing 30 yes. day contracts. So we had, I think we had one player go AFK couldn't get him to pull down his vendor. And then we were stuck with that vendor for a whole another 30 days. And then it happened again, another player AFK. And then we, we couldn't like pull his contract. And then we had another 30 days and yeah, it's kind of why that, that we just now put a, a brand new house, um, right at, right at the end. Daria Moongate actually looks really nice. It's a bigger house, with like 20, 20 vendors. And we've been decorating it last week. I think we're starting to put uh, put brand new uh, vendors up here in a day or two. Excellent. But, yeah, there's some weird mechanics there with that system that that tripped us up, but it, it is cool for sure. Because uh, like I was, I was walking down South Prevalia, and the guy was you could just easily click it, purchase one, and load your shop up. I guess. Yeah. That, well, I'm glad you raised the problem with that mechanic. We've had a lot of guild members have that same issue so maybe it's worth maybe there's a good reason that that mechanic is in place and we're not aware of it or maybe that's something that they could improve that has been a sticky point but yeah beyond that it's it's a fantastic system it really increases uh market efficiency a lot of people are just renting out to complete strangers just whoever will pay the highest amount and i think that's very efficient that shop owner must really be doing some good business to want to pay that amount yeah uh, are you doing any kind of um I guess your shop in particular or not, but is anyone in your guild doing like, are you controlling what those people, what their upper limits they can sell at? Don't, don't list it above these crafters or make sure stuff's below this guy. No, we, we try to not have people competing within the same location if we can avoid it. So even if there was a very big building, we wouldn't want to have two tailors and two tinkers competing against each other within that same building. We'd let people just put in plant vendors and whatever rares or whatever else they want to sell aspect stuff um, once the crafts are covered. But then once the crafts are covered, people can charge whatever they want. Uh, and like I said, we encourage high prices. We don't say how high, but see how high you can go. 
Right. I guess creep it up, and then if it moves, you know, list it higher. Right. And the idea, the reason for this is not just because we're very stupid or very greedy. It's because you can only restock that thing so often, and your materials and your time cost you something. So you can either have an unstocked vendor that's not profiting at all uh, at low prices or have a vendor that remains stocked at the interval you're able to restock it at the higher prices, which is a win-win. Now you don't have to do as much of this tedious work to restock it, and your margins are much better. So you're, it's worth your time. So I, I don't even know what the profit is like with this. So let's say you've got uh, a blacksmith. And you and you keep it stocked. You, every every night you come in and you and you restock it with, you know, your sets of gear and stuff like that. What's what are your profit margins like? Like how much are you making a, a week? I do not have a blacksmith, but that, I do know that blacksmith, tailor, and probably tinker are all very profitable right now relative to the other crafts. And I also see revenue of hundreds of thousands of gold passing through blacksmith vendors uh there at Terran moongate so that guy is getting rich off of that spot blacksmith entree um but yeah we'd have to we'd have to ask that group exactly what their percent is and they would probably just lie to us oh yeah I mean, I'm, I'm sure and, and then it probably goes into like is he buying his supplies is he getting himself or yeah that makes a huge difference if you've got that vertical integration going and you are your own supply chain um you can win on both ends by just doing the whole thing yourself. Although I think a lot of our crafters do not do any harvesting at all. Somehow they don't find crafting to be intolerably boring, but the harvesting part it does seem too tedious and just filling out capshkas. So a lot of our crafters don't harvest and we could really use new players who want to have an easy way to learn their way around the map and get some gold to pick up mining uh, and help us out or any of the, you know, lumberjacking, any of it. Yeah, I just found out today you can you can hit 100 GM pretty quick mining. I mean, it's not fast. It's definitely a grind, a couple, like 20, 30 hours, something like that to hit 100. But then anything past that has to be on a colored ore. Or this would be the same with, with wood or, or I guess skinning too even. So you're going to start to need resource maps just to, just to get enough of those resources to get skill gain on. Uh, like one, one guy was telling me he did... 20 or 30k ingots to to gm uh or something like that or to, to gm or and then he's spent 131k ingots to get it to 107 or something like that wow so, so just to get to those high-end uh materials that that you put in like a velarite or i'm probably saying these names wrong avarite um completely wrong uh, yeah, it takes. But yeah, it takes a, a lot of work to idea. get there. It teaches people the systems as they're gaining the skill. Maybe that's a good idea, as long as they have to eventually learn the systems. Because so much is custom. I didn't know anything about these lumber maps and skinning maps. All of that, I just stocked it up and only recently started paying any attention to it. So, had I needed to look at that back in the day while training skills, that might not have been so bad. Yeah, hopefully, I'm not just spreading misinformation because I have, I have no crafter and no gather at all. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I have, uh, my PVM guy has uh, inscription and forensic evaluation on him. So I consider him both a gatherer and a crafter. That's the extent of it for me too. So unfortunately, if you were hoping I was a crafting expert, I know almost, uh, almost actually, I know almost nothing about the entire game. So uh, your focus is just purely on, on the uh, economy side of it. 
Yeah, just I, I just enjoy playing solo mostly and wanted to create a little casual community of people who were laid back. And so that's how I got involved with this Amir project. And the guys are laid back. They don't have any of the, you know, so-and-so guild stole my boss or res killed me or any of that stuff to worry about. They're hanging out in their houses and in town for the most part. And when people are out in the dungeons, if they've been sticking mostly to crafting, these guys are getting more of a thrill out of it than we ever possibly could again, you know, because it's still so fresh. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun group to hang out with. Yeah, I tell you, it's it's hard to, to maintain Ultima Online and casual. It's everything about the game just it either wants more time out of you than you can give it. Or when you do give time in it, it's just it can get so serious. Uh well, because you lose everything, uh, and you know, then you can go get your revenge, or yeah, it's just uh, it, you got to kind of work to get to stick it solo or or play nice. Uh, so it's definitely cool. You've you've fostered a community that that's pretty laid back. Yeah, yeah, it is thrilling. It's thrilling that you can lose all of your great stuff every time you die, and people could steal, sneak up, and steal it from you. They can kill you and take it. And uh, you may or may not have the means to get revenge on them at that time. Uh, but it's important to be able to die well, especially for new players, and to just enjoy the whole experience of it uh, as much as possible, because you can't win this game. So if you manage to never die in PvP, and you kill the Omniboss, Omniboss a thousand times or whatever, you still haven't won. It never ends. So you just got to enjoy every moment of it as much as you can. Talk to the Reds after they kill you. Ask for, ask for uh, them to resurrect you. And they'll probably talk to you and give you some of your stuff back. Or or come back and kill them if you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Change characters. Come back on your Red. <laughs> That's one frustrating right. thing here is, you know, your your builds can get so skewed to Glass Cannon that, that you uh, you can't really fight back. So you got to... But, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of uh, emergent gameplay that happens just throughout the whole shard. Yeah, there's uh, a little bit of crossover, but if you're good at PvP, you're not good at PvM and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not good at PvP. Uh, although I did finish my my first PvP guy last week, and then today I set up my macros. So maybe maybe I won't be so bad in a couple weeks. We'll see. Oh, nice. I actually haven't even finished training the Quoth character skills yet. I've got him at 720 skill cap, so I need to finish training that out. I'm going to try to make him some kind of guy who's bad at both pvm and pvp and can just go gray in dungeons and wander around and see what happens you know we've had some some a lot of success with uh artisan builds you know about oh. 120 blacksmith and then you load up pvm skills with it and you put them in an artisan suit and uh those builds are really powerful uh if you're in a group because they give a lot of really nice buffs to uh to all your other players yeah, that's a common pastime for our members when they are PVMing. It's to get with a couple of really solid PVMers who have a high tier aspect thing going on. And they'll just tag along and shoot some crossbow bolts or whatever to level up their artisan for their crafter characters. So um, it is cool to see the kind of damage that can do, actually. It's it's not bad. Yeah, I think the, the artisan suit is a part of the aspect that that uses the crafting bonuses to kind of just double into PVM and... uh you can take these repair kits and repair other players. And then once you give that to them, it gives them a nice buff. And then, you know, you put that across the group of 10 guys or five guys, whatever it happens to be. And it could be a nice little, um, like a buff character and, and functional as, you know, from the PVM side of the game. And with the echo system, you can actually echo your guy 
So, you know, load them up with crafting and gathering and, and then echo him and then go get your sword or mace and tactics and take take that same crafter out into the world and see outlands that way. Yeah, and a few of the craft skills you might even choose to keep, blacksmithy or tailoring or something for fun, they have PVM buffs on them. So yeah, exactly, even yeah. if you're not at the echo yet, yeah, there's a lot of flexibility there to benefit from that artisan aspect, both in PVM and in crafting. The the key thing there, I don't know if we mentioned, is that it increases your chance of creating an exceptional item, a master crafted item. So yeah, that's very worthwhile. The only thing I got I gotta tell new players is that they, they don't well they, they don't know all the new mechanics. So they they see that mining and lumberjacking gives a bonus to PVM and so they, they just go start lumberjacking and mining. And then you have to you have to tell them that, you know, hey, you could have that same bonus in one hour with tracking. So if you don't right. really want to mine, you know, go go tracking or camping or or if you do like gathering, maybe do forensics or you're in the dungeon. Um that just takes yeah. a little, little do player education. Maybe those harvesting skills could use a little bit of a PVM buff for the really new players to UO, you know, who want to dabble in a bit of everything and they understand that the the tailoring is helping their armor class or whatever it does, but it would be nice if it was a little bit stronger. I I did nothing but chopping trees with hero at launch. And so I built up some decent lumberjacks, but it was not a useful skill and I wasn't interested in gathering wood. So I just never played those characters again. Yeah. We, we, we had a Kasha on the podcast and their launch plan is uh, ridiculous, but it worked, uh, which is cool. That's a, were you a part of that plan at all? Or did you just um, participate? Yeah, I, I did the practice runs with them on beta, and we went ahead and got a bunch of great houses on launch day, including that that Terran Moongate Amir shop that I'm running. That was one of the ones placed during the the hero launch. Yeah, if anyone doesn't know, they, they basically just all ran lumberjackers, and I think you made bows and sold them, and then used that gold to, to buy all the most of the first houses on the shard. Yeah, and Akasha also dipped into some stuff that would give him some skill gains so that we could craft the first boat and get out to take over an island. So, yep, he and I have played, what, 15 years ago or so, and then again recently on Outlands. So that that was a lot of fun. I really lo- That was probably my favorite launch of any server launch I've ever seen. Yeah, and no, I, I love those stories, just uh, the reconnecting with old friends. Um, I'm glad Outlands is here to... You know, to give players, uh, I guess, his reconnections or meet old friends, hang out with them, or form new friends, you know, um, which I know I've definitely done. Yeah, you seem to be part of a really good community, Beer Brothers. Yeah, uh, and, and it's it's definitely grown, and you lose players, you gain players, but uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and the podcast is a great way to, to, to meet people outside of my, my small circle in game, too. Yeah, you've had quite a quite a wide variety on so far. So as far as I can tell, I'm like the most boring guest that gets all the economics questions and all the, <laughs> the finance questions and so on. So well, every every week can't be Akasha or a chill. <laughs> you know, it's, it can't. Why be Why can't week. we? What do I have to do? Okay. Uh, I I definitely want to cover uh, the entire game and all parts of the community. And so this Good. is definitely a hole in the show. So, uh, well, we haven't talked a lot about the economy, maybe a little bit. What are some of the interesting things about UO and, and Outland in particular with this economy? 
So segueing straight into those boring questions I was referring yeah, to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's what's unique about the Outlands economy? Uh, the it's very intricate. There's a lot of interlocking pieces, and it seems like Owen and Luthius are going in a direction where they're sort of simplifying their levers of control if they want to sink out some gold or get people to spend off some Pravale coins or whatever. Um, they've kept it quite balanced and hopefully that doesn't require too much on their end that it will just remain balanced on autopilot. Uh, but it's very rich. The crafts are needed ever since the change to aspect mastery where your suit is no longer blessed. So when you die, your armor stays on your corpse and people can take it. Even if you're using aspect, that means that there's a huge demand right now for crafted leather and, blacksmith uh armor weapons all of that so it's we're very interdependent we're actually depending a lot on player crafters now more so than uo usually does usually you can just get an invulnerability um halberd and that's all you need yeah the uh and and the economy can swing a little bit with mechanics when they brought in the ecosystem that wreaked havoc across all sorts of items uh, arcane scrolls and a bunch of stuff uh mcds all that stuff shot up. Actually, MCD probably went up because of uh, the chain system. I think MCDs were they were down like twenty k, twenty three k, and now they're now they're pushing thirty five k. And in the meantime, they've gone up to hundred k or something for ten minutes. Yeah, the price was all over the place after those changes were put in. That might have been interlocking things a little bit too much, but I assume they were just trying to create some item sinks as well so that they could balance out how many of these items to take out of the game. But I'm glad they ended up revising that when they saw the effect. Yeah. There's, there's really not a whole lot of gold sinks. Um, there's not really like a, a, your guild doesn't sink gold into anything to, to upgrade it. There's usually a pretty big gold sink in a game that the aliens doesn't have. Um, but the recent addition would just be the casino stuff and the, the raffle tickets and uh, I'm, I'm assuming that's pulling out a tremendous amount of gold. Yeah, so I haven't looked at that stuff very closely, but what's in the game currently has negative expected value to play, right? Like you'll lose money if you play it? Yeah, I don't think it was when it first launched, which is why it got pulled down for a little while and then brought back and then pulled down for a couple of small tweaks. But I think when it first came out, you could, you could just macro it and uh, get a small gain over time. Yeah, but now it's... You can look at the rankings, and uh, the net winnings aren't aren't that impressive. Yeah, before that fix, I saw people were spending a lot of time on there, and I just assumed they were dumb. I didn't realize there was this thing going on where you could get free money, and you could actually beat the house. But if it's now the case that you can't beat the house uh, on average... Everybody stay away from that. Don't play the lottery. But they're they're working on poker, right? So let's let's all sit down and play some poker together. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, they are working on poker, which th- that'll be cool. Uh, it, I think yeah. the game probably does need more gold sinks. I don't know. Have you noticed inflation anywhere else or a slow creep in it? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's certainly since launch, things are selling for way more gold as the supply of gold increases and the capacity to increase the supply of gold increases when people have their high level characters that can farm tons of gold uh it means they can come up with gold if they need to and prices start going up on things in terms of gold now i think provalia coins are actually a superior currency personally they're always pegged to the u.s dollar so i see a little bit more 
stability on that side of things. But unfortunately, most people do not accept Prevalia coins the way they accept gold. I think they should, but maybe that'll be something that happens longer term. Yeah, it's probably just that the only thing you can get with them is cosmetic. Uh, there's not a lot of game-breaking stuff you can go buy with it, which is good. I think it's by design so that they don't turn their game pay-to-win. But that also makes those things more valuable because people really do want them. Whereas if they're just for a uh, uh, you know, piece of cloak or a piece of furniture, you know, then the, the desire to have those coins may not be as high. Although, uh, I think what the, the shop does have the, the tomes. That's a really nice in-character benefit. So maybe over time, they'll have a more things introduced there that will draw player interest. And it did just spike recently when he put brand new hues in the market. So perhaps they were still because the Pirelia shop hadn't changed in like two or three months. Right. Yeah. If, if you, it makes sense to always diversify your game wealth. So if you find that you've got millions upon millions of gold or whatever to you seems like a high amount, you might diversify into various things. And, uh, Provalia coins is like the gold U.S. dollar. That's a that's a U.S. dollar in the game. So not a bad hedge against inflation compared to gold. If you find yourself racking up a lot of wealth, thinking about what you store in the bank that you don't need at any given time, I would say Provalia coins probably will retain their value better than gold. And uh, you can trade them for things. People almost accept it as much as they accept gold. Uh, the only thing more stable that seems seems like it's more stable would be uh, skill orbs. I think skill orbs were very briefly under 30K and they very quickly were 35K for, for many, many months. And now they're, they've been 45K for weeks and weeks and weeks. They don't, it doesn't seem to fluctuate all that much. I think they're pretty rare and everyone, everyone needs it for that, for the 720 builds. But it, that can that can always be uh, manipulated by you know Luthius puts in some new equation in to make them drop more than they would tank. So yeah, you, know, you have that going against it, I guess, as a currency. Yeah, more farming could occur or less, and that will control how many skill orbs are brought into the system. Whereas with Provalia coins, I think it's just donations, right? So dollars being brought into the system, which is probably a little less sensitive than farming but who knows yeah maybe people would suddenly just start throwing cash at the game and creating provalio coins that that would be a win-win too yeah what's another weird item that's that skyrocketed recently um command all the command stuff is crazy uh like a command core is 80 80 up to 100k yeah. and it extracts like 60 or 70 yeah so what that tells you there that's an interesting thing at the that's your your tamers are now high enough tier aspect that they need cores because they're no longer building the suits. They're they're trying to get to tier eight, tier ten, and they need a lot of cores versus extracts. So it's the cores that are rare. More at least the supply isn't there to meet demand. Um, it's interesting. At, yeah, I mean a, a command core is eighty k to hundred k, and a poison core is three k. That's a that's a tremendous price difference for the, for essentially the same item. Well, poison cores and extracts, I would think would be dropping at the same kind of rates as command cores and extracts. And you're doing the same thing with them. So 
Yeah, I guess it is just that those two curves start to diverge in the higher tiers, and there's a huge demand for it on the taming side. That's It's interesting. And skill orbs are a great point. I think long-term, every major character that any player has in the game, they're going to want to bring to 720. Long-term. Right now, it's not really viable, but people will have several 720 players if they don't already. Yeah, I think mine is 707. Uh, most people in my guild have one one character, but that's either there or very close. Um, I don't I don't farm as much as a lot of guys that I play with, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess you, what you said to start this conversation is probably pretty apt. Uh, diversify, have gold, have prev coins. Maybe don't real dump estate. all of your items. Yeah, real estate. Um, which is another market here that is hard. It's hard to tell what it really should go for. Because uh, when, when you go, <laughs> through the, go through real estate, it's all over the place. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's worth what, really. It's, it's really hard to pin down the value stuff. Sounds like uh, they could use more people going in flipping places for profit. If it's that if it's that hard to find out, then the people who put a little bit of work in and come up with their own estimates probably can find a few really good deals here and there and double or triple their money on that purchase pretty quickly. Yeah, if you're willing to put in the work to scout when IDOX, um, but purchase it and then and then try to flip it and sell it, which can be you know, you market it as a, oh, I'm selling you a 50k house, but it, it secures a, you know, a 15 a 15 secure house or whatever that may be. You gotta you gotta market it right and then find someone to buy it, right. whatever they're willing to pay. But it can be tricky when you're trying to do a trade with a buddy. You know, you you want to you maybe you're trying to trade it for money, but you don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I spent 50k in the house, but what's the slot actually worth? 150, 400K, uh, I don't even know. It's changing, but the land is not expanding around the major points of interest that we currently have. So it is a scarce commodity. So if you can grab some decent plot and maybe not worry about flipping it, just hold on to it. uh, It's probably a good store value, again, to have along with Provalia coins and gold and all the rest. Well, it doesn't sound like new land is coming in the game anytime soon. Uh, well, that's not true. There's lots of new stuff and new land coming in, but none of it will have real estate. Uh, at least that's what Owen Owen has made kind of clear. I mean, it could come down the road. I mean, maybe the one-year anniversary comes with like a land expansion and, and territory. But he's even said the next chunk of land he adds won't add new territory or new uh, housing. So I think they're pretty dedicated to keeping the housing where it is now and the, the values where they are now and, and the player investment, at least where it is now for the foreseeable future. So, Yeah, even if the population doubled, you might want to just keep it the way it is because, fine, guilds will have guild houses will be more valuable that you can share your house with your friends or with your guild and people can play out of their bank box. Sometimes I prefer to, uh, if I'm playing some free shard casually, not to worry about refreshing houses, just play right out of the bank box. Now here we've got storage shelves and all kinds of luxuries that you might want a house for, but there's a lot of room. Do you know about the storage locker? Oh, right. Yeah. H- half the cost goes in your bank it, it's it almost could be nicer to live out of a locker in, in a bank other than having to deal with thieves i guess but you can mitigate some of that risk too 
Oh, I had read some of the numbers on the locker, but I don't have one. I didn't. I did not realize that that's the major distinction. You can use it out of the bank. Yeah, yeah, I can use it right out of the bank. Um, I think, uh, yeah, or in your in a chest. I think too. I don't have one, but you can for sure use it out of the bank, and it works just like a like a like a storage shelf. Oh well, there you go. If you run out of housing, just put the bank on steroids, and it's a good playing experience. You can pick up that bank at any town. Yeah, well, they they proven they're going to update and change things. Um, so maybe they could, if housing really did get that limited with the growing player base, they could put in um, where, you could, where you rent rooms out, that kind of stuff. Oh, inside the town or from another player's house? Like a player's house, like a big mansion, but you rent out your rooms. <laughs> that would be great. I haven't seen many of the big mansions placed anywhere, the ones that are 30 by 30 tiles or larger. Have oh, that's because, that's because you didn't place your fucking house right next to Stormy, like I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you have several 30 by 30s? Uh, no, he, he, he put the biggest house down right before he uh, took a break from the game. Um, yeah, it's like a 30, I think it's 31 by 31. or so, It's one of the bigger houses in the game. And so I stare at the thing all day from my, you know, 200K house. <laughs> it's right there next it's to good. me. It's good. I mean, it's a, you don't want to be the most expensive house in the neighborhood. It's not good. It's risky, right? So it's good that your neighbor is ridiculously amazing. Yeah. I mean, I guess the things people accomplish in this game are pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, the, renting out places from another player is a really good idea for big places like that to the extent they exist. Or in town would be a lot of fun. Pay a lot of money and rent a tiny little room or a tiny little row house or something in one of the major towns. Yeah, see, uh, that's where I got this idea from was uh, you said row house. I mean, we think of uh, Richard Garrett's other game. Uh, Escape my, my head right now, but th- they put in this mechanic where you could rent out like a hotel. Recent one, Shroud of the Avatar or something? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the one. I was so excited when I heard that that was going to be a thing, and then the more I learned about it, the farther I got away from it, so I never ended up playing it. Did you Did you try it? Yeah, it, it's it's fun. It's got some major, major issues, but all of the stuff that makes you a great is in there somewhere, uh, so it can definitely be enjoyable for time. Just don't get sucked down the the, the cash shop. It's no outlands, there. is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Garriott still, you know, he made UO and you could definitely see his thumbprint like or fingerprints all over that game. So, oh man, yeah, all those original developers were geniuses. The kind of systems they put in place was they were just doing breakthrough after breakthrough without even realizing how revolutionary it was because they were just having fun building it out. It's it's amazing what they put together. This world that's made like the animals are made of meat and feathers and leather and everything back in the 90s, the 1990s is when they launch this thing it's amazing oh yeah it's it's definitely cool uh, okay let's uh let's move into community questions um i think we got a, we got a couple here uh let's see here uh from Shadowstone. what is amir's outlook on the future of harvesting it seems very few people seem to harvest resources anymore because farming is so much more lucrative yeah there are a lot of harvesters out there but it's hard to compete with the people who have very advanced scripts so the way I, I can't speak for the Amir uh, or what the Sirde I think are, is best about this, but I think that it's pretty good as it is. You cannot eliminate people from scripting ever. So the fact that there is this Kafka system and rigid rules surrounding that, I think is about as good as you can get. And the fact of the matter is just going to be that whoever 
finds it fun to write scripts or to adapt scripts and run them, those are going to be your major harvesters. And if they're having fun with that, they're an important part of the the community and uh, the economy. And we need harvesters right now in our guild. So if there's harvesters listening that want uh, long-term purchasers of your resources, we can cover you on that because yeah, a lot of our guys just, they're not in scripting that much or they, they could do it that way, but they'd rather play some other way. Yeah. So I think you kind of ran, he had a second question, a follow-up question that I think you, you tackled pretty well there. I think this question, it's almost more about, um, you can make so much more gold just farming like going going in a dungeon and making gold that way, that the incentive to to get out there mining isn't isn't quite there. Like uh, maybe it needs to be to support the crafting outlands needs. So I don't know if, there, if there's anything. I guess you could drop dungeon loot, but I'm not sure. I really don't think that would make that big of a difference. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know what mechanic you put in to to, to make harvesting more uh, meaningful to the or or more appealing to players. Uh, it is what it is. There's a lot of demand for resources right now, thanks to this aspect system changes where people need a lot of armor and weapons right now. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that it's out of balance necessary with PVM loot, that reducing PVM loot, for example, would be a solution. I think it's it just is what it is. That's the playstyle. Some people, maybe they're playing something else or they're watching a movie on the other screen, you know, and they are, it is attended and they can say hello to you if you say hi to them in the game but they're doing something else and that's what i imagine these harvesters must be doing or they've got you know three monitors running and it's it's extremely efficient and they're sitting there sweating you know like people who play multiple poker tables at a time online <laughs> uh maybe that's what that what that play style looks like i'm not really sure but whatever it is that's what it is so i, I don't think we can help those guys out very much it's they're harvesters sorry guys i've got years of mining in eve online uh in in Nolsec with the full setup and multiple clients going. So I've, I've been there. I, I can't do that anymore, but I did that because I had, I had little children. Uh, so I could AFK a little more, you know, I could do it while like in the morning or during the day. And it was a little more, uh, not as hands on, but I could still consider myself gaming, but in UO it's, you gotta be, you gotta move. Although I guess with a proper macro that recalls around, maybe not so much, but, yeah, I've seen a trick where you have uh, the script drop something in front of you, and then depending on whether it successfully fell on the ground or not, you know whether you can step on that tile, and so it can do some advanced pathfinding for you. The, these scripters are having a good time, but like like the reason that you had when you were doing all that mining, people have reasons that they're playing that way, and I could see how it could be a lot of fun. It's a very different. It's one of many different games that people are playing when they play Ultima Online. Yeah, which I, I don't want to remove. I think it's cool that it, well, and this may fix it too. That the more demand the crafters have, the the more the prices go up, and you know the more players that will want to to uh, to tackle harvesting to to make that gold. Especially maybe a newer player that it's something easy to get in and, and make your first fifty k for your house or whatever it may be. Great for a new player or even a, a pl- player who's new to video games in general maybe a very young person or a very old person who hasn't played a lot of games like this and they don't want anything very technical. It's something where they can run around and explore this beautiful map and find seeds and rare colored resources that are quite valuable. It's a very legitimate way of getting started in the game, whether or not you're a veteran. 
but yeah, are you going to stick for stick with it for the long term? Probably only if you're really into the scripting uh, playstyle. All right, so the next one's a good one. Uh, it cracks me up too. It's from uh, BXB Milk uh, streamer. A lot of times you see him out there stealing people and then killing them. Uh, nice, ask, nice. Uh, ask Amir, uh, what makes them think they can creep into Cambria Moongate territory? Are they ready to compete with the top vendors on the server? Sounds like he must run some shoddy vendors <laughs> out there and he's hoping for some free advertising. I, I do like what you said about his playstyle, though. That uh, that sounds fun. So, yeah, I'll, I'll look for him around Cambria Moongate. That sounds fun. Yeah, I think we covered this a little bit earlier. You, know, you guys are expanding territory and, and branding yourselves and you know your 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 work will will say or speak for itself i guess and we will kill anyone who causes problems yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a war declaration to every guild on the shard oh, actually we if if we declared war on another guild our people would flip but it sounds like they've got some changes in the pipeline where guilds naturally sort of pvp with the world through the guild system so maybe we will turn on some pvp actually yeah i think you can actually uh turn you can you can opt into that system and then players can also opt in. So you can actually do it with your guild, but then the player still has a choice to either to, to join the guild in that endeavor or, or pass, you know? Yeah. I hope the player is opted out by default. I remember when that was an option with the factions, some people would find themselves flagged for combat and they didn't know how that happened. Maybe they made oh, yeah. a mistake. Maybe it was defaulted yeah. wrong or whatever. There were lots of dead beard brothers in Prevelia. When I That's signed sad. this up for uh, the order faction, uh, With that unblessed house deed on them. <laughs> yeah, people were yelling at me. Um, the last question from Jack Churchill: Does the market feel strong for crafted items, or is the cost investment too great um, to hit one twenty uh, to keep it profitable versus selling the raw materials? Yeah, it's constantly changing, but overall, I think the market is thriving. Uh, I mentioned earlier a few trades that are especially profitable right now, tailoring and blacksmithing and uh, tinkering also to a large extent, but that's constantly in flux. So if someone's considering whether they should take a skill to 120 or not, I would look at your very short-term understanding of the market and try to do a back of the envelope uh, calculation as to whether it's worth it right now. Um, in the long run, you'll always be glad that you have it, but there's only a few of them that pay very well right now. Yeah. And, I, and the last question that, that I have, um, uh, is a, maybe a weird one. And I don't know, I don't know if, if you have the, the knowledge. I don't the take weird it, questions. Uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, so the gear in UO, um, does not deteriorate. Well, it does, but you can repair it back up as far as, uh, the need of crafters to uh, replace that gear. I lost um, a supremely potent spellbook because I was farming too much and didn't realize I had not repaired it <laughs> in a while. But yes, go on. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is there is 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 that a bigger issue with crafters uh, and the economy here? Do we does do we need a stricter system to where items actually get destroyed beyond just PvP? Because PvP won't remove all the items. So there's. There's two ways to tackle this problem. Uh, one, you remove items just over time, which you has, although Outlands counteracted it by always being able to repair it. Uh, and two, you lose them on death, which Outlands kind of has, but it can go to the other player. Um, 
so I think you can put in is you can put in um, like some of the loot gets destroyed. So let's say you died, you full suit of plate armor, but only your helmet, chest, and legs drop, and your gloves and the neck piece, you know, get destroyed. Um, basically, like the same thing we talked earlier about economy and gold sinks and uh, and items. Like, is there a need for crafted gear to leave so that crafters uh, are more important in the game? I think it's okay. I think. Once in a while, a player will die in a dungeon or something and just let their body turn to bones and turn to dust, and then all those items are lost. So that's that's one way things occasionally disappear. Also, murderers are often very picky about what they loot, so they might leave your helmet and your shield, but take you know your leggings and your sleeves or something like that. And so everybody ends up with these incomplete sets of armor. And sets are armor sold in sets. So if usually you wouldn't have, I mean, if you're going around killing everybody, then yeah, you've got an unlimited supply of armor. But other than that, any other player just has to occasionally buy a full set if they want to be properly geared up. So I I think the way that things get mixed up, it's enough. You know, the stuff exists. Somebody created it, so it doesn't need to too quickly deteriorate. That would be much more annoying, I think, for people if they were constantly, their shield was constantly disappearing in the middle of battle. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that either... Either of those uh, solutions to my fake problem are, um, be, any are the ideas? ideal way to do it. They're just ways that they can be done. I don't know that it is a problem. That's kind of what I'm asking. Do you think uh, it uh, sounds like you? Well, you, I'm, I'm, do you have any ideas as to what you might do with it? Well, you can, reci- than, you can recycle stuff. People do yeah, that. Yeah, other than what I described, it, it's I guess it's if you for, if if you think it's a problem that gear stays in the game too long. Uh, oh no! I, I, personally, I I do not. It's an interesting thing to look at, though. I haven't really looked at that very closely. But yeah, stuff you, you, sells all the time. People want full suits of the thing that gets them to a certain armor rating or whatever, or that looks a certain way. They're not going to wear, you know, an iron a chainmail tunic and a valorite plate mail legs or whatever and go out looking like a clown. So uh, it, it gets mixed up enough, I think. Yeah, it sounds to me like you're you're on the side that the current item sync is, is just fine and it doesn't need tweaking. I, I've heard the opposite from players, but I don't know that they're as, as in tune with uh, with what's happening and what crafters are making currently. So, Yeah, crafters are selling stuff fine. So there may be other ways in which it's inconvenient for items to persist in the game for too long, but that's just how all the items are working UO for the most part. I've, I haven't really heard of a sync for crafted items it's kind of sad if someone master crafted this item out of some rare material and then they just throw it down a well somewhere to make a wish but uh yeah that we, we would welcome that then we would sell even more yep yeah that's true all right man uh, thanks for your time i really appreciate it um i mean we, we covered some uh some good ground here for for topics that don't get a lot of coverage but i think it's uh i think it's a huge part of um of outlands and of course ultima online so so thanks thanks a lot for for coming on here man thank you very much for having me it was a pleasure uh you got you, you want to toss out there or or, or uh, uh nothing the, the, the whole like the whole thing was a big advertisement so i'll leave <laughs> yeah. people alone at this point <laughs> uh yeah go to go to Terran moongate shop amir and then go to Dari moongate and shop beard brothers okay all right, thanks, guys. See you all in... Just uh, the first part. <laughs> yeah, go to our website, uh, insideoutlands.com. 
I'll have a link to our Discord. I'll probably put in the uh, the Amir Discord too if they they want it there. Join our Discord, listen live, leave us and our guest feedback, and we'll see you guys in uh, two weeks. Thank you. Mm-hmm.